It's a residency at the House of M's. This is Triple M Nights with Dave Gleeson. Well, they released their self-titled debut in 1977. They performed live more than 5,000 times and sold more than 20 million albums over the course of its career. An absolutely huge band with a massive cult following, many resurgences, and you don't get resurgences unless you're a great band. I'm talking about Cheap Trick. And right now I'm joined by Robin Zander, lead singer of that great band. How are you, Robin? I'm doing well, Dave. How about yourself? I'm very well. Great to see your face, man. It's been too long. Yeah. I know. It's, it's going to be fun, man. I, we're, we're all looking so forward to this. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously down here we've been uh, very uh, starved for international acts. Um, have you been able to tour uh, over in the Northern Hemisphere? Uh- not much. I've been mostly on my couch watching television. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty but of that. I, let me on. tell you, you know, we've done a few shows and uh, it's the, uh, the, the sort of, uh, you know, the way you have to do them these last few weeks has been pretty tough, too, because nobody can, you know, come backstage. Yeah. Nobody you can't you can't interact with anybody without, a, you know, uh, having the cops come up and throw you out of the building. So, <laughs> yeah, we've uh... you know, it's, it's kind of rough. We've just started uh, back doing the Red Hot Summer Tour with a whole bunch of bands and the backstage protocols are like you can't hang out. It's like, yeah, that's the yeah. fun stuff. <laughs> the other stuff's a bit of work. I know, and it, it sort of pisses everybody off. But in spite of that, we carry on, don't we? <laughs> we do, we do. Now, I, I just want to backtrack a few years, mate. I, um, I was very lucky uh, with the Angels to tour with you guys 2015, yeah. did Australia and Fantastic. New Zealand. Um, I've then, been talking about you all on every interview I've been doing. <laughs> oh, awesome. And then, well, so it was only 2016 that you uh, uh, you got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I was, yeah. it was the first time in my life that I was able to say, I know those guys for real. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not really that big of a deal for anybody else except for ourselves. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to have that. Um, but I could tell you, you know, it took a long time for us to do that. And, you know, we didn't think we were going to get it. We we weren't really uh, waiting and anticipating, you know, to the point of being depressed about it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, the the first the first 25 years, you're excited because, oh, we're eligible. And then five years later, it goes by 10 years, goes by 15 years, goes by. <laughs> and you're thinking those guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> anyway, so. yeah, and then up. you get that, then you get the call. Hey, guess what? You guys are in. Wow. Okay. All is forgiven. We love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and the thing is, um, you know, talking about all those years that it takes to, to get nominated. What about all those years that you spent uh, through the early seventies uh, forming your, your, sure. your sound and stuff like that? Sure. Um, exactly. And, and pe- cause I, I think people often forget when they see a big band, they just think, Oh, this, they've been a big band forever. You know, they've, all, they've always yeah, right, been right. at the top, but you guys uh, really slogged it out in the early years. Oh, we, in the seventies. Yes. Uh, you know, that Budokan record was our fourth album. And so you got to remember that we started the band, the band started in 73 and, um, you know, we played every, every juke joint in, in that we could anywhere, garage, uh, backyards, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, bowling alleys. In fact, we were discovered in a bowling alley. <laughs> Excellent. Now, now uh, it sounds ridiculous, but we were. <laughs> so, going to Budokan and going to Japan, um, well, that that wasn't something that lots of bands were doing at the time, was it? Was it something pretty out of the box? 
Well, it, it just so happened that uh, the Budokan building itself was the place where a lot of bands played before us. And um, I believe it was, um, it was, it was a, a heavy metal band like Uriah Heep or somebody right. like that, that played, um, I'm not sure who it was actually, but they had some trouble that a lot of people died and got trampled. And that was, uh, that was a few years before we played there. And we were the first band to be back at Budokan. So, you know, it was pretty exciting for the fans to be able to go into the Budokan again and see a rock band. And plus, we were selling records there, believe it or not. Yeah, know? right. So that's that really, you know, those two things combined uh, meant for a pretty exciting show. And I think that, I think the record sold well because of the excitement more than it did for anything else. Because it certainly sonically didn't really hold up that well, you know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it is, It is as pe- many people have said before me, it's like a Beatles-esque kind of uh, crowd. The, the, the crowd is just yeah. electric. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it, it was shocking for us because, you know, I remember coming into town in, on a plane and landing and, and looking out the window and I saw all these people standing on the roof of the building <laughs> with signs, you know, but I couldn't read them, you know, but... And um, I, I remember turning to Rick and going, God, I wonder, is the, is the president here? What's going on? You know? <laughs> and if they were there for us, it, it really was shocking. Um, I was looking, I've been doing a bit of research, as I have to do nowadays, um, and I was reading about the, the album In Colour, and it's just such an amazing story um, that when it came out, it was your, your second album, I believe, um, and yeah. it kind of it got a, a good response, an okay response, but it wasn't uh, setting the world on fire. So that was right. 1977, and then flash forward to 2003, it makes it into the Rolling Stones' uh, top 500 albums of all time. Um, and it's such yeah. an organic thing. I, I I really couldn't see that happening in today's kind of uh, music kind of um, atmosphere. No, see, uh, we were so far ahead of our time <laughs> that it took that long for the world to catch up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Uh, and you've worked with some. I, I was I was looking at some of the people you've worked with. You yeah, to work with George Martin must have been oh, yeah. something uh, amazing. Yeah, I, I loved him. He was a wonderful gentleman. Um, we only spent, we went down to Montserrat and recorded that and we spent two weeks down there. And then we went to Air Studios in London to mix it and do some overdubs. And uh, he was just wonderful. I mean, I, it's just a wonderful producer, a perfect gentleman. And we were so fortunate and lucky to, to, to get to work with him. You know, um, what can I say about him? You know that hasn't been said already about. Him. <laughs> sure, sure. He was he uh, he kind of called the shots for for music as we now know it. Really, doesn't he? Yeah, he he really did. I'm just looking at some collaborations. How'd you end up working with the Insane Clown Posse? <laughs> insane Clown Posse. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're good buddies. I mean, we, you know, we we'd run into them on the road at gas stations and stuff, and we'd see their bus, and it had these weird paintings of clowns on it and stuff. And thought they were hilarious, and you know they're actually a really good band. And and uh, we were in Nashville, um, and Julian Raymond, our producer, said that the clowns want to come by and say hi. Um, and we said, Nah, we don't want to see those guys. You know, <laughs> no, we we're no, we, we said guys. sure, uh, yeah. But uh, for some reason, we uh, forced our way on that record, 
and uh, it turned out to be a pretty cool song. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And uh, you've got a new record out at the moment, In Another World? Yes, sir. Um, tell us about the, the recording and touring of that. Well, the thing with that was we uh, recorded it before the pandemic hit. And um, the funny part about it was that after it was released, we released it anyway, even though we couldn't tour. Right. The record company hated that. But mm. yeah, but, but uh, the funny part about it was we got all this uh, mail that uh, was positive, but it was always saying stuff like, uh, your insights into how the pand- pandemic is affecting everyone around the world is like amazing and all this stuff. <laughs> we'd, we'd written every song before the pandemic even existed. You know, so. <laughs> Once again, proving before your time. Unreal. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I see now that uh, your son's playing in the band at the moment for yes. filling yes, in for Tom. Yeah, we needed somebody to re- relearn the songs for us. Right. Yeah. No, he's he's a wonderful kid and uh he knows the stuff better than I do, you know. It's, I turn to him for support all the time. Classic. Um, he's a good, he's a good singer and songwriter in his own right. He's got an album that uh, he just finished and that should be coming out pretty soon. Um hopefully maybe we'll release it in Australia first. <laughs> cool. Uh, now, and that must fill you with a, a lot of pride, not not just to have your son in the band, but to know that he's he's got a, a musical career of his own. Oh yeah, it it does. He's he's written some fantastic music. It's a little bit like uh, John John and Rick Brewster. They've got uh, they've got sons to fill every role every role in the band. Yeah. If anything goes wrong, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got Dax as well on the drums. Who's uh, Rick's yeah. boy? Yeah. Um, now, uh, some of the great things that I've uh, that I've seen um, of your fans' loyalty. Um, and over the, the long journey, not just um, in, in the States, but all around the world, that must be something that yeah. kind of means that you can you can keep looking to other markets to keep moving around and, and going around to see your fans. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, we, we do get some hate mail, though. <laughs> from, from If we don't go to, like, you know, uh, Belarus or, or one of those places. No, but, I mean, people expect us to tour – everywhere mm. and uh nowadays it's not as easy as it used to be to go where you want to go nah. and you know um but uh we try to get get going you know to everywhere that they want us so the cheap tricks always been that way we we play anywhere beautiful and you are coming down here for the under southern stars shows with uh with yes. bush and yes. uh Stone i've never Pilots. seen bush it'd be interesting to see bush yeah, yeah, the great band. Um, obviously, um, Gavin Rossdale, obviously being English, but um, I'm pretty sure he's a resident of the United States now. Yeah. Um, now, do you feel kind of uh, like looking at the industry now and looking at the industry when you started, do you feel lucky in, in, in where you were placed um, that, that there was a, a, a real organic way to grow into a band to get your stuff out there? I think it was wonderful because – the 70s was a great time for spawning new music. I mean, when you look at it, it was the beginnings of many different types of music. Mm. Uh, disco was king in the 70s. Hip hop spawned from that. Uh, then came rap and, and you know, uh, and a lot of rock and roll punk music started then. Uh, you know, a lot of like 
rock bands like ourselves and ACDC came about at that time. Mm. And on top of that, you had classic rock that was just on top of the world. Like, you know, um, like, uh, like uh, Led Zeppelin and Queen and these bands. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was a wonderful era for music and especially for rock bands, because at that time there were more bands than solo artists. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I love the being in a band and I, you know, I just uh, always appreciated that. Nowadays, there uh, there's a lot more solo artists out there, I think, than bands. And uh, I sort of miss the, the, you know, if you watch the Grammys or something like that, it's rare to see a rock band. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And and, and what's even rare rarer is for you guys um, to have had the same lineup. Obviously, uh, Bunny's uh, been out of the lineup for a while, but to have Tom. Uh, yourself and and Rick, big uh, weather the storm for oh, yeah. forty plus years. That is something that's yeah. pretty. Um, uh, there's only very few bands that have done that. Hey, you know, uh, we love what we do, and uh, we're proud of it. We're proud of what we do, you know. And got three songwriters in the band that are still writing songs, and that helps to keep yourselves alive. Because uh, if it weren't for writing songs, I don't think we'd be you know, be doing what we're doing. And I think people um, uh, like the unwashed uh, don't realise that the, the writing of songs and recording of songs and that that's what keeps you, you going. Even, you know, when yeah. time when songs don't hit the charts or go into yeah. to, uh, stratosphere, that the thing that keeps you together and as a live unit and a functioning oh, yeah. unit is that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know what that's like yourself. I mean, it's it's important because it it's where your heart and soul is and, mm. You know, um, and when you have that sort of um, magic together, uh, why why stop? You know, we're too dumb to quit. <laughs> oh, unreal, mate. Well, I cannot wait to uh, catch up with you face to face when you are here in Australia for the Under Southern Stars shows. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, to catch up with you again, Robin. Well, and thanks uh, a lot. Safe trails, and I'll see you soon. You bet. We'll see you there. I'll buy you a drink. Mate, thank you. Love you, you man. Take care. Love to all.